that good? Isn't that awesome? We have a lot of talent here. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you this morning. Glad you're here and you've got a smile on your face. And once again, happy Mother's Day. I know the restaurants are looking forward to you coming, and so we want to explain. Well, we're in a series this morning, and we've got one more week to go. We're in a series called A Work in Progress, and we're on the book of James. And didn't Pastor Justin do a great job last week, didn't he? So the question is, is that every pastor has is, so have you been using it? How's it been going? How's your tongue? Somebody called me this week, in my, and they just said, mine is swollen. But you know what? James is a difficult book because it's a very practical book. And the book of James is kind of an in-your-face type of book, isn't it? And remember, we talked about in the very beginning that the, the theme of the book of James is that growth is expected and growth is necessary. And God expects us all to grow and become more and more created in the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the goal. So my prayer for you today is that as you hear today that you would receive it, that you would allow the Holy Spirit to just kind of stir it into your heart, and that when you leave today, you would be transformed. If you're a guest here this morning, good morning. We're really glad to have you here, and I want to welcome everybody who's watching online. Thanks for joining us today, and I know we have people who are joining us here today literally all over the world, and we're so thankful that you're here to be with us here today. If you happen to be one of those that's kind of searching for a church home right afterwards, if you would go to our worship center there, or not our worship center, but our guest services, and uh, they've got some information about our church. We'd just love for you to pray about asking God where he would love to have you, and we would love to have you here. Amen? Very good. So ever since the beginning of time, and this goes all the way back into the early into the book of Genesis, you and I could say that there have always been arguments, disagreements, quarrels, battles, and even wars, right? I mean, every generation has its own war, doesn't it? We've learned when you go back to Genesis chapter 3, when sin entered into the world, guess what? War is a fact of life, is it not? Did you know that there have been more than a billion people who have been killed because of war? What a shame that is, isn't it? And I know just looking at this group in here, a lot of you could name a lot of different wars, couldn't you? I mean, World War I, World War II, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, Desert Storm, and the list goes on and on. In fact, some of you in here have served in one of those wars, one of those battles. Can you just raise your hand if you did? Wow. Thank you so much for doing that. But you know what? One of the things that we've learned is conflict is a part of life, isn't it? Now, I just want you to think about this for a moment, and that is this. Did you know that every war, before it begins, always has something in common? You know what it is? It's called conflict. Now, listen very carefully to this. You know what is at the root of conflict? Desire. I hope in your mind you're thinking, okay, Pastor Bob, desire for what? And here's the answer, more. Did you hear that? I'm not satisfied, I'm not content, 
I want more. You know what the saddest thing about that is? <laughs> the same is true in the church. There are probably many of you or some of you in here that have experienced what we call a church split. I mean, there's been conflict in the church, and you just can't, you just can't seem to come to a compromise. You can't get along, and everybody kind of goes their own way. And I want you to know that really breaks God's heart. So what I did is I went, on the, I went online and I tried to find the five most ridiculous reasons why churches split, okay? And I found five answers of why churches have split in the past. You know what one of them is? The color of the carpet, okay? Now, I know you're probably thinking that could never happen, but if you've lived as long as I have, you could say, yeah, I could see how that could happen, right? <clears throat> you know what another one is? One of the youth forgot to put the crock pot back in the kitchen. Those youth. Here's another one. I thought this was interesting. Because they called the dinner after church pot luck rather than pot blessing. I thought this was kind of interesting. You won't have to worry about this one. The length of the pastor's beard. But my favorite one is this. This actually caused a church split. Whether or not they should set the clock in the sanctuary one or two minutes ahead to make sure church started on time. Isn't that crazy? But you know what? There is conflict even within the church of God. All right, now James is about to ask us a very simple question. And the question that he's going to ask us this morning is this. So what have you chosen to do as far as the way you live your life? Are you going to live your life and submit it to your heavenly Father? Or are you going to live your life in a way where you are constantly seeking <clears throat> the pleasures of this world and gratifying the desires of your flesh? And then James decides to answer his question, and this is what he says. If you choose the pleasures of life, then conflict will always be at your door. Are you ready for today? You don't look like it. But you know what? We're going to plow through this. So would you please stand out of respect for God's Word? And I'm going to read from <clears throat> James chapter 4. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. <clears throat> what causes fights and quarrels among you? <clears throat> Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get back what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. This is God's Word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, I want to be known as a friend of God. In Jesus' name I pray, 
Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Just keep... <clears throat> I know the devil doesn't want this message preached. That's all right. Okay, so um, in James chapter 4, James just jumps right into this, and he tells us right away what his focus is. And his focus is simply this. It's the battle among God's people. I'm going to say that again. The battle among God's people within his church and among his people That's where James tells us right away, this is where I'm going today. Now, I want you to think about that. We just said just a few minutes ago that since the beginning of the world, specifically in Genesis chapter 3, even in the family of God, since the beginning of time, there has been conflict. Would you agree? I mean, think about it. Adam and Eve have Cain and Abel, and Cain kills Abel. Even the father of, of, of Judaism, Abraham. Abraham and Lot couldn't get along. Remember what they battled over? It was land and water rights. And then you go on into the New Testament and you see people like Paul and John Mark, or you see Peter and Paul. And remember, Paul had a problem with Peter, and, and the problem was is that he was accusing Peter of being hypocritical towards the Gentiles. And then if you really wanted to have fun, all you had to do was hang around a group of people that called themselves disciples. There was always conflict, wasn't there? What was the conflict? The conflict was this, who is the greatest? Within the church, there has always been conflict. Now, I want you to remember who's writing this book. His name is James. He's the half-brother of Jesus, right? And he's the head of the church in Jerusalem. There's been a persecution, and now his, his people have been scattered all over, and he's writing to them. And he's telling them that as you go through life, this is how you're supposed to live and how you're supposed to act. All right, now, let's jump in to what James talks about, and I want to show you a couple things. What causes fights and quarrels among you? I just want to let that sink in a little bit. When we think about this body right here at Central Community Church, so what causes the fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. So James, right off the bat here, is talking about three battles that we're going to deal with in life. And he starts with the first one. And the first battle is the battle that is among you. The battle that is fought within the body of Christ. Okay? All right, now, I want to go back just one slide. And I want you to, let's read that first sentence together. Okay? Here we go. What causes fights and quarrels among you? All right, now, I don't know about you, But as I was reading that verse in the Bible this week, I was thinking, if there was ever a misprint in the Bible, this is it. Wouldn't you agree? And here's what I think it should say. Right? Who causes quarrels and fights among you? Well, let me tell you something. 
That lady that pulled in front of me, if she wouldn't have pulled in front of me, she wouldn't have gotten the horn. (laughs) That teacher that gave me that bad grade, I wouldn't have had to tell everybody online about how bad he is if he wouldn't have given me that bad grade. My wife! I'm just using an example. I have to preach the truth. Okay, no. My husband, right? If you would have known what they did, now you would understand why I gave the response I did. My kids, they're pulling my hair out. Every time they do something, I just lose it. If they wouldn't do it, I wouldn't lose it. Now, how many of you can relate to that? Oh, come on, church. Now, listen to me. Doesn't that make you feel good? I'm just responding to what everybody's doing. Ah, that feels pretty good, doesn't it? You see, then the blame is on everybody else. And you know what the problem is? Is that most of the time, that's the way you and I think. We really do. I mean, did you honk at anybody on the way to church today? Don't raise your hand. Did you have an argument with your spouse on the way to church today? Don't raise your hand. Do you understand what I'm saying? But we really believe that what's going on is because of I'm just simply responding to the, what the world is doing. It makes me feel pretty good. But now we have to ask Jesus what he thinks. You ready? So what does Jesus have to say about this, the fact that I'm just simply responding to what everybody's doing to me out in the world? Well, he says no, and then he tells us why. Take a look at this. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from their heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander, whammo, right? So what's Jesus telling us? Jesus is saying, no, it doesn't come from out there, Bob. It comes from right in here. Now Jesus is describing the second battle. There's a battle among us, but you know what? There's even a greater battle that's inside of us. You see, did you see that word defile there? I want you to catch what the meaning is of defile. Defile means to be put at odds with God. So here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, Bob, the things that put you on the other side of me, the things that make me an enemy or make you an enemy with me, those things that put us at odds are the very things that come from within you. And then he tells us this. They come from within you because they've been there from the very beginning. Did you hear that? You see, Jesus is telling us is that the emotions, the, the different kinds of things that we have that, that sit in our hearts, they stay there And if we don't get a control of them, guess what? They're going to come out. So Jesus is telling us is all of the different things that you do, your anger, all of your different emotions that are used to defile yourself against me, he says, they come from within you because they were there from the very start. Now, I want you to think about this, okay? So I I brought just something that I want you to see. This is really important, okay? So I have a sponge with me, okay? All right, now, I want you to know I'm going to squeeze it Okay? And what came out of it? Water, right? Let me ask you something. So why did water come out of it? Because water is what was in it from the beginning. 
You see, in life, life squeezes us. So whatever is inside of us is going to come out of us. Make sense? All right, now, so let's take it, this, this next part. Let's go a little bit farther with this, okay? Okay, so Jesus is telling me then, it's not just what is in my heart that I need to worry about, but I also need to worry about what I allow to get into my heart. You see, the goal is to not allow things like anger or different kinds of emotions that are negative that can cause me and bring me to sin. I've got to make sure that those don't attach to my heart. And so the question is, is what do I do to keep things from attaching to my heart? What is it that I have to do so when that lady or that man cuts me off, I'm not laying on the horn? If somebody shouts at me, I'm shouting back to them. What is it that I have to do? And James tells us this, it's wisdom. What? He says, yeah, it's wisdom. You have to have wisdom. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. You cannot be wise unless you're humble. If you are wise, you will have humility. If you are wise, that means you look at things through the eyes of our heavenly Father, right? So if I look at things through the eyes of my heavenly Father, I'm going to see things differently, correct? Case in point. A couple weeks ago, my wife said to me, she reminded me of something that we had coming up that was on our to-do list. And my response to her was, nope. Okay? That didn't go very good with her, and I've learned in life that if things don't go good with her, they're probably not going to go good with me. So guess what? We had a little conflict going there. Okay? And I just kind of let it go. She let it go, and we moved on. Well, then this week she reminded me that it was coming up. Now, you know what bugs me, and Pastor Justin talked about this last week, is when we have to study this stuff, and then God uses it in our lives. (laughs) He's playing me sometimes, right? And so, guess what happens? So, Lori brings it up about this thing that we're supposed to do, and I remember that I've been studying James chapter 4, and if I want to demonstrate wisdom, I need to see things from somebody else's perspective. So what is it that I'm supposed to do? And here's the thing that you need to remember. Whenever you're in some type of conflict, what enters my heart is this, there's something I want that I'm not getting. So I'm thinking now, she tells me that we've got this thing coming up, and before I answered the wrong way, now I'm thinking with wisdom I'm thinking with humility, how can I look at this through God's eyes? And I'm asking God, show me what is in my nature. And this is what he shows me. (laughs) And you know what? (laughs) He's right. Now think about this. Anytime you have conflict with someone, that's the reason why. That's half of the battle. You see, I'm not getting what I want. Okay, so Lori's talking to me about this thing that we're supposed to do, and in my mind, I'm thinking, you know what? I'm, not, I'm gonna see things through God's eyes, and you know what? He's right, I'm not getting what I want. I don't wanna go. And the reason is, you wanna know why? Because I didn't feel like it. Okay? All right, now, that's what James is telling us. 
He says, when you are in conflict with someone else, you have to take ownership of your part of the battle, of the conflict. And as I took ownership with wisdom, what I realized was I didn't want to go. Now, you're probably thinking right now, yeah, but that person did something to me, and that was unfair, and maybe they were unfair, but you still want something. You're not getting what you want. What do you want? I want to be treated fairly. Whenever you go through conflict, you have to ask yourself the question, how can I see this through God's eyes and demonstrate wisdom, and then you have to own your part. And when you do, you control, I should say, God controls your emotions. Now think about this. When you don't, you act worse than the person you're in conflict with. Think about it. You're driving down the road and somebody cuts you off, and you lay on the horn, and they wave to you in a very nasty way, and oh, what happens? Your blood pressure, and you speed up. You see what happens? And here's what I want you to understand. When you allow your emotions to take control, it's then that you have to be aware you could take your, the whole thing to an extreme level. That's why James says it may start out something little, but you could take it to murder. And you know why you could do that? Because here's your answer. He did that to me. That's why I one-upped him and came back at him with this. Do you understand what I'm saying? So James tells us When you get into conflict with one another, brothers and sisters in Christ, you have to have a plan. It's kind of like this. A few years ago, Lori had this unbelievable habit. She'd come home with new dresses. (laughs) And I would would look at her and I'd think, wow, another new dress. And she'd bring it in and I'd go, dear, you can't just keep buying new dresses. And she says, I know, I know, I try so hard but I just, I just can't help myself. So I said, well, let's come up with a plan. And here's the plan. When you go to the store and, and you try an address and you like it, you just simply say to Satan, get thee behind me. <laughs> so here's what happens. So a couple of weeks later, I come home and there's a new dress on the, t- on the bed. And I said, man, what happened? I said, didn't you think about our plan? Remember what I told you? When you try and dress, you have to say, get thee behind me, Satan. She goes, I did. But then I heard him say, looks good from back here too. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Pastor John, I am in so much trouble. <laughs> I am in big trouble. Stupid boy. Uh, look, remember what I wrote in your card this morning, okay? All right, now. Okay, so let's go on, okay? This is the last time you're going to see me, I know. So. It says, you adulterous people. Now James goes on, he says, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace. That is why the scriptures says, 
God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, a couple of weeks ago, you remember we talked about the fact that the root of faith is works, right? We are saved by grace through faith, but that faith is seen in the way we live our lives. And this is what James is telling us here. He's simply saying this, if you choose the pleasures of this world rather than God, you are putting yourself as an enemy against God. Does that make sense? In other words, what James is telling us is this, is that when you choose the pleasures of the world, when you choose the horizontal things in life that are going to fulfill your needs rather than the only vertical need that can truly fulfill your need, you become an enemy of God. I want you to think about something. Every time that we come together as a body of Christ and we celebrate communion, do you understand what happens here? When we celebrate this communion, literally, the Lord Jesus is saying to us, I want you to know that I love you, and I'm giving you my body, and I'm giving you my blood. When you partake of that, when you take that body, when you take that juice, what you are saying I love you too, and I take your life, and I give you mine in return. What does that sound like? A wedding, right? And that's exactly what it is. It's a marriage. I belong to the Lord, and the Lord belongs to me. And so whenever we, may we become a friend with the world, rather than God, we commit spiritual adultery. Do you understand that? It's like we're trying to find our pleasure somewhere else rather than our heavenly Father. Now, let me ask you something. Man, God gets pretty upset about that, James tells us. And he says he gets so upset. In fact, he uses the word, God is jealous for you. And it's a righteous kind of jealousy because God will tolerate no rival when it comes to you and him. Do you understand that? That's how much he loves you. And even in the Old Testament, we see this word jealousy a couple times. Look at three of these passages here. They made him jealous with their foreign gods and angered him with their detestable idols. God knows what's best for you, and he will not tolerate anything else except the best for you. Here's another example. Do not worship any other god, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. He's jealous for you. Here's the third one. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I am very jealous for Zion. I am burning with jealousy for her. That's how much God loves you. Now, there is a question that I have. Because what we just read in James and what God expects of us, how in the world, my friends, do we give God the love and the devotion that he deserves? You know how we do that? we ask him for help. You see, part of being wise means that you are filled with humility, and humility means you know you can't do it on your own. And so when God places high demands on us for our love and devotion, he doesn't expect us to do it on our own. His promises, he will give us everything we need to give him that love and devotion. And all we have to do is ask for it. Why? 
Because that's what gets God's attention. Because when you ask God, God, I need that grace. I need that strength. I need to love you the way, that grace to give me the the strength to love you the way you want me to love you. God hears you saying, I can't do this on my own. I need you. And that's what gets God's attention. That's why God tells us. That's why he loves and he raises up those who are humble, but he opposes the proud. Why? Because when you're prideful, when you're proud, you are saying, I don't need God. Let's go on. We're almost done here. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why do you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will, live to, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. All right, now here's what I just want you to hear. James is telling us that there are two signs of arrogance, and the first one is, is putting others down, gossip, speaking evil of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And the second one, he tells us, is planning without God. Now, I know you don't do this, but let's pretend that this is what you do. You get out on the highway, and the speed limit says 65, and you set your speedometer at 71. (laughs) Now, your reasoning is, well, I think that the officer who works this road or whatever they usually give you seven or eight miles, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push it to just one mile under, and he'll leave me alone. Now, what James is telling us is that when you do that, what you are saying is that I'm above the law. That law doesn't apply to me. In fact, James takes it one more step, and he says, I am above the law, so I am above the lawgiver, who is God. And that doesn't make God very happy. The example that James uses here is this. We're a family of God. And James tells us a sign of arrogance is when you speak evil, when you share gossip, when you talk about one another behind their backs. Because when you do that, you are saying that you are above the law and the law doesn't apply to you. In fact, it tells us that you are the judge, and you can't judge people's heart. We can look at the fruit on their tree, and we should judge that, but we cannot judge anybody's heart. And James tells us this is not the body of Christ. We're not to be speaking evil about each other behind each other's back. Now, I know I've done that with the speedometer before. And I don't mean to do that, but now I understand better about what I'm actually saying. But you know what? In my mind, I think that's not really a big deal. 
And you know what? I know there are a lot of us that are here this morning. We may say something about somebody behind their back. And you know what? We think it's not really that big of a deal. Can I tell you how big of a deal it is to God? Because this really kind of put me in my place. When we gossip, when we speak evil of one another, when we slander one another, Look at how the Lord looks at this, and it's found in the book of Romans. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a deprived mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, and God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. Now notice where gossips and slanderers are. They're right before God-haters. Do you think that this is a big deal to God? It is. And Martin Luther tells us in his explanation, put the best construction on everything. Think good thoughts about one another, even when you may know that they're not true. All right, so the second one then is when you make plans, acting and thinking and believing that God's not a part of them, okay? So let's look at this scripture verse here. Our God is in heaven and he does whatever pleases him. How many of you have learned that hard lesson? How many of you have heard, you can't veto God's plans? Would you agree? I pray every morning, Lord, here's my calendar, here's my plans, now you order my steps. When I, when I read this, this part of James, there's a picture that came back to me, and it's of my grandma. Lori will know this. Whenever we would go to visit them in South Dakota, whenever we would leave, I would say to her, okay, grandma, I'll see you at Thanksgiving, or I'll see you at Christmas. And every time without fail, you know what she would say? If it's the Lord's will. I always wondered why she said that. In fact, I would think, doesn't she look forward to spending time for me? But what she was simply doing is she was just simply, we're making our plans, Bob, and that's the plan, but you know what? I'm not in control of the plans. God is. Now, what does the Bible teach us? Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. The Bible makes it very clear that we're supposed to number our days, right? In the book of James, James tells a story about a man who travels to another city and he does business to make a profit. And I want you to know, there is nothing wrong with that. You know what the problem is? There's a man who's making a trip to do business and to make a profit, but he thinks he's the one who's in control of his life. The Bible teaches us, number your days. Wouldn't it be nice if you knew the day that you were going to die? I know the day I'm going to die. You know how I know? I Googled it. <laughs> I did. And you know what the day is? February the 27th, 2046. That's what it said. I'm going to die at the age of 85. So what I did is I said, how long will I live? 
and I put in all of, I answered all, there's 21 questions, I answered all the questions, and that diabetes I know is the thing that got me. But then it said, so when it says, this is the day that you will die, February 27th, 2046. And I kind of went, <laughs> But you know what? That's the way God wants us to live our lives. We don't know the day. That's not the day I'm going to die. Only one who knows the day that I'm going to die is my heavenly Father. And you know what? I can't veto his plans. So in the meantime, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to try and live every day to its best, knowing that there are going to be days of conflict. But when that conflict comes, I'm going to take my part. I'm going to own my part, that there's something that I'm not getting. There's something that I want, and I'm going to live wisely, being careful of the things that I allow to attach to my heart. That's what James wants us to know. And don't be arrogant. Be humble. And remember, he's the one who's in control. Amen?